Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio, and I'm here in the TD Garden to talk to you about showing us your support in a new way. Now, we've never asked you for anything before, but we are looking to make a major expansion, and we need your help to do it. So now is the time to donate to CLNS Radio, whether it's one cent, whether it's $100, whether it's $1,000. We need your help now. What we want to do is bring you our free mobile application and then give you all these premium services that we've wanted to give you before, and we need your help to be able to do it. Now, we've been giving you free service for nearly seven years now in the CLNS Radio family, and we've never asked for money before, but we need your help now to make the big expansions to become the best possible Sports Network. You'll get more Garden Report content. You'll get more locker room content from all over Boston Sports. So make your contribution today. Go to www.beatsandeats.net slash support CLNS to make your pledge today. Legends are made in the NFL. And the quest for the Lombardi Trophy continues. Brady moving and looking and has time and then throws. You're listening to Patriots Beat. Tumen, second down and six. Brady, quick throw and complete. first down. Right here on CLNSRadio.com. Legends are made in the NFL, and the quest for the Lombardi Trophy continues. Brady moving and looking and has time, and then throws, and that is caught for a touchdown. Intercepted by Wilford. Vince Wilford with a game changer. You're listening to Patriots Beat. Two minutes, second down and six. Brady, quick throw, and complete. first down. Right here on CLNSRadio.com. Patriots fans, and welcome to Patriots Beat. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Bob Snowden will be joining me shortly. I had a couple BTR technical issues. We're working those out right now. 
But we'll have a good show for you today, 347-215-7771 here on the CLNS Radio Network. Of course, you can follow along live on clnsradio.com. You can also, of course, find CLNS Radio on Twitter, www.twitter.com slash CLNS Radio, at CLNS Radio, and of course on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash CLNS Radio. Again, as I said, Patriots today, big time, two weeks, training camp's going to kick off. What are we going to do about that? What is going to happen? The 24th of July is when camp kicks off, and I'll give the uh, I'll give a little CLNS swag out to the first person who tweets at Patriots Beat. That's all one word, Patriots Beat. Whose birthday it is? What quarterback in New England Patriots history's birthday comes up on July 24th? He'll be 62 years old. Hard to believe this gentleman will be 62 years old, so that should give you a little bit of a hint exactly who this quarterback is, but he was born July 24th. Anyways, good show coming up today. Bob should be calling in shortly. I'm excited, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really excited about the fact that the uh, New England Patriots are about to embark on hopefully another run to a title. The fourth title in the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady mantra. Time together, I guess if you want to call it. The dynasty that is the New England Patriots. Yes, they haven't won in Oh, 10 years or so now, but that doesn't mean they haven't still been a dynasty. 13 straight winning seasons. They've made the playoffs in all but three of the Bill Belichick era. The first, of course, 2000, when they went 5-11, and 11, when they were reconditioning the roster away from what Pete Carroll was and bringing them into what uh, Bill Belichick absolutely became. Of course, they missed the playoffs after the uh, 2002 season on a tiebreaker and the Brady injury season in 2008 when Tom Brady was knocked down. Still, bringing a quarterback in like Matt Castle and going the far reaches and getting to 11-5 and and missing out again on a tiebreaker. My colleague Scott Baines wrote a wonderful article on CLNSradio.com this week about the New England Patriots and how they are the model franchise in the NFL as far as spending goes. A lot of fans go out there and they get very, very upset about the fact that the Patriots don't go out and spend that big money. Well, they've taken it to a level where they compete every single year for a Super Bowl championship. Only one team wins a Super Bowl and the Patriots have been to seven Super Bowls. Think about that. The New England Patriots have been to seven Super Bowls, five since 2001. That's crazy. Sure, they have a losing record at 3-4. and four. Sure, they've lost the last two in heartbreaking fashion to the New York Giants. But still, what other fan base would want what we have? Every fan base would want what we have. So very, very exciting there. But Scott wrote a great article about the way that the Patriots have basically brought along a financial thing. And yes, they've lost players like Asante Samuel. They've had to cut players like Richard Seymour. You know, players that were... We're, we're great players for this team, and, and God knows we've seen what they've spent in money trying to bring in a guy to replace Asante Samuel. They brought in you know, a guys like Lee Bodden, who they spent a lot of money on. They've drafted uh, Darius Butler out of UConn and Tyrone Wheatley out of uh, Colorado. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Guys that they're Rossi Dowling, the, the guy that they thought would be the next great cornerback, and they've swung and they've missed. So maybe they should have paid Asante Samuel then. 
But still, the Patriots keep going. My co-host, Bob Snowden, is on the line right now. We'll bring Bob in and see how Bob is doing. Bob, what's going on today? Well, I, everything is going fine, except you kept hanging up on me. I don't like you. I, you know, I, I heard some more huggy-huggy. I that. I heard some more huggy, huggy, kissy face last week when I'm not when I'm not on the show. People like kiss your butt, and I'm not going to kiss your butt. I yeah, kept right. up, I kept hanging up on you, and I I apologize for that because you know you're a pretty decent guy. But I was just talking about uh, I was just talking about Scott Baines's article on CLNS Radio, and of course how the Patriots have been a model of consistency as far as the salary cap goes, and that kind of leads me into this whole. Andre Johnson wants out of uh, Houston, and all these Patriots fans thinking the Patriots should go and trade for him. Tell me your thoughts on that. Well, it's not going to happen. I, I'll be shocked if it happens, only because the money's not there, guys. We, we And I know you and I have talked about this before on the show. They would have to make some drastic moves to even have the money available, and the first year is not the big issue. The second year is the biggest issue, because... He's not willing to give up money. He's willing to renegotiate his contract from everything I've heard, but he still wants the total to be pretty much the same. And I, I just don't see it happening. Um, I know a lot of people are writing about it, and basically even the NFL Network has reported that you know there's there's you know maybe four teams interested in him. The Patriots are the only one that's really a contender, and he wants to go to a contender. I mean, they listed the Oakland Raiders. Well, there's a contender if ever there was one. The Cleveland Browns, they now have, uh, you know, Johnny Football. So maybe maybe Johnny, Johnny Joe. Yeah. And then the Panthers, who don't have any receivers, they desperately need a receiver, but they were decimated after last year. So, But I don't see him coming to you. No, and I don't. I don't see the reason to bring him in here. We're talking about a 33-year-old wide receiver who, yes, he did have 107 catches last year. Yes, he's one of you know uh, unbelievable players in the last 10 years in the NFL, uh, constantly putting up great numbers. But let me let me ask you this: What has he won? And I know you sit, you'll sit there and say, "Well, you know, he was with an expansion team in the Houston Texans and this, that, and the other thing." Still, in the biggest. Play in, in the playoffs, has he shown up? You know, and, and do the Patriots really need that big time receiver? And I've brought this up many, many times before about the fact that I don't believe that the New England Patriots need a big time wide receiver. I believe that the biggest thing that the Patriots need continuity and balance. There has not been a hundred catch wide receiver win the Super Bowl since the Patriots Troy Brown in two thousand one. That goes to show people something. That goes to show the NFL something, that you don't need those huge stars winning, winning Super Bowls. And You know what? Name, name, me, name me the huge star on the Seattle Seahawks as far as a wide receiver goes. You know, they won last year. Are name you me asking the, me that? Or I'm ask, I'm was, asking, that a, was that a rhetorical question? I'm asking you, Bob, in your, in your infinite football wisdom. Can you name one? I, I no. you know, if, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Okay. So if you, you know, if he were available and you could get him without giving up everything you have as far as money on the cap, would I like to have him? Yeah. Do we need him? No. So I, I wouldn't turn him down 
if you could get him without really giving up anything, you'd be crazy to. But is he the answer to going to the Super Bowl? No, I agree with you completely on all those other issues you mentioned. And my concern, if they did sign him, is then what does that do with the rest of the receivers, the young kids? Um, is it going to stymie their growth potential? Because, let's face it, if you did sign him, you're going to be throwing to him a lot, and you're not going to then be throwing as much to Dotson or, you know, if he comes around this year, uh, Tompkins. Uh, you know, I, so I, I, I'm not excited about them getting him. But I would say this, Jeff, if you could get him for next to nothing and add him to the roster, I'd say, yeah, I'd add him to the roster. Let me ask you this, though, Bob. I mean, what, what do we sit back and say, what is the cost of bringing in Andre Johnson? Not only just for this year. I mean, he has a huge cap number. But what does that cost developing players coming out here? What does it cost in developing an Aaron Dobson? What does it cost in developing a Kembrell Tompkins? Sure, I mean, the, the window for Tom Brady is closed, and we all know that. Two to four years left in the, in the Tom Brady regime for him to be a top notch quarterback and yes we want to we want to win but does bringing in a guy like Andre Johnson and basically mortgaging your future does it guarantee you a Super Bowl championship does bringing in Andre Johnson this year guarantee you a Super Bowl championship no it doesn't guarantee you anything and and what I was just saying kind of goes along with what you're saying now Jeff I don't think that they should give up anything to get him, and they're going to have to, therefore it's not going to happen. But if you could get him without getting anything, he's an addition. It's kind of like, and and it's not a complete parallel because he's not quite at this level, but there were many people when LeBron James was being battered abound everywhere in the NBA, and people were saying, well, I wouldn't want him on my team. But I've got to have a problem with that because he's the best player in the NBA. I'd say the same thing about Johnson. If he could get him for nothing, which is not going to happen, would I like him on the team? Yes. But you're not going to get him for nothing. It is going to take away from the the second-year players' developmental group. So it's a wasted discussion. There's there's no sense, and and I know people keep wanting to talk about it, but there's no sense in even talking about it. You there? Let's move on to talking about the uh, Patriots CLNS radio. That's what we're doing. Patriots beat here. <laughs> I had myself on the old mute because I didn't want to interrupt your intellectual intellectual knowledge, Bob. There's your huggy, huggy, kissy face. There you go. But let's get into talking about this Patriots roster here on CLNS Radio's Patriots Beat. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Patriots Beat. And we do have a winner, although I shouldn't even give it to our winner because it is Scott Baines uh, who says that, and I just sneezed, uh, that Steve Grogan's birthday is, of course, July 24th. So Steve Grogan uh, there. So I, I suppose we can get Scott Baines some uh, CLNS Radio swag. I guess he deserves it. I don't know how you feel about that, but let's yeah, give him the, some love. Let, give, give him a little love. He does work his tail off for us. Let's get in a little bit to this uh, to the current Patriots situation at quarterback. Of course, you have Tom Brady, All Pro, All Time, maybe a Hall of Famer, maybe. <laughs> no, Tom Brady is a Hall of Famer. You have Ryan Mallett, uh, you know, going into the, his fourth year with the Patriots. Uh, fourth year as a backup. Of course, they kept three rookie quarterbacks on the team when he was a 
uh, a rookie with Brian Hoyer. And then, of course, everyone's beaten boy right now. Why didn't we take a guy that could help this year? We need a guy that can help this year. We need a Super Bowl, man. Jimmy Garoppolo coming in, of course, um, from his you know, his days in the football subdivision. So let's talk about this. Of course, we know that as long as Tom Brady is upright and healthy, this team has a chance to win. It showed us nothing more than last year when the Patriots uh, were decimated by injuries. They still got to the uh, AFC Championship game. So Tom Brady, I think we've talked about him enough in this time. Tom Brady, give me your thoughts finally on what you expect from Tom this year. Well, I mean, he's a lock. I think he'll have a very good year. Um, and anyone that thinks they need to replace him immediately is drinking out of a funny fountain. You know, I, Brady is still, you know, statistically, is he a top-five quarterback right now? Probably not. But if you were picking the top-five quarterbacks you'd want on your team, bringing you down the field in a clutch situation on the game, sure, he may be number one. If he's not number one, he's certainly number two or number three. So Brady's still there. And, and you know, Garoppolo's a lock, obviously. He's going to take up that roster spot. There's no doubt. You don't give up a second-round draft choice and just say, we're going to let you go after training camp. So he's a lock. I, I'm not sure whether Mallet is a lock or not. I think he's pretty darn close, only because – of Garoppolo's inexperience. But I don't think he's a complete lock, depending on what he can show in training camp. And, and you know, he'll get, his, he'll get his reps in training camp. This year, he just needs to show it. And I, I know, and you may have seen this, too, during the week, and I was reading some comments people were making about, about Mallet and that he's never been given a chance or that he, you know, you need to play him in game situations. Well, you're not going to play him in game situations unless he shows something prior to game situations that gives you a confidence. Uh, and I'm going to throw this one back to you, Jeff. Say the Patriots are up 15 to nothing. I know they probably won't be up 15 to nothing at any point this year, but let's let's act like they are. And it's the beginning of the second half. Do you bring in a backup quarterback? And if you do, who do you bring in? Well, that's the question there, because even in the 2007 season, did they ever bring in a backup quarterback? I remember one game they were up huge against Miami. They brought in Matt Castle. He threw an interception, uh, and basically it got the game down to, I think, twenty a 21-point deficit. And next thing you know, Tom Brady's back on the field. I don't know well, whether it's last- Last year, I want to say, Jeff, and you're better at remembering things like this because you're much younger and your memory is there and my short-term memory is gone somewhere. Weren't there a couple of games last year that they actually did bring in Mallet to kneel down at the end of a couple of games? Yeah, he's been in to kneel down because, God forbid, Brady puts his knee on the ground and gets hurt. But, I mean, mean, when was the last – I mean, Ryan Mallet, when was the last big-time pass play that he made? I can tell you when it was right now. It was when he threw the ball to Rob Gronkowski that set Rob Gronkowski's record for receiving yards by a tight end in a season. That was the last unbelievable play that that, that Ryan Mallett threw. He threw that pass. Uh, he hasn't done anything in the in the NFL, and that's a good thing for the New England Patriots. I'm not saying it isn't. But, yeah, if they're up huge and they bring someone in, who do you bring in? I think you've got to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo because of the fact that 
he is he might not be your future, but he's what you're hoping you would get from Ryan Mallett. Mallett basically ended up being I'm not going to say a wasted draft pick because at any point during his four years here in the in New England, Tom Brady could have got hurt and it would have been Ryan Mallett's time to shine. We've been lucky that Brady has stayed upright, especially with some of the issues that we had last year on the offensive line, that Brady was able to play in all 16 games for the last four years. But it would have been Mallett's time, and it is very important to have a good quarterback, a good backup quarterback. Look at the Indianapolis Colts when down went Peyton Manning, and and they tried to sign Kerry Collins, and they were bringing in uh, Drew Stanton and all these you know bums, and they go with two and fourteen. And sure, they ended up getting Andrew Luck out of it, and have made the playoffs now two years in a row. But the jury's still out in my eyes on Andrew Luck. So yes, I'm going to sit there and say that it's Jimmy Garoppolo because of the fact that he is either your future or what you're going to try to basically uh, pick a guy that is that, that gets traded, that you can trade. Something that I think the Patriots had hoped to do with Ryan Mallett, but uh, it never came to fruition. Let's let's switch for just a minute off a of quarterback. I think we're both in agreement with that, Jeff. That, that, you know, I know we're both in agreement that Brady's going to be the starter. I agree with you that Garoppolo may not be on the uh, depth chart listed second, but if push comes to shove, I think he may very well be number two, even though he may not be listed that way technically. And it's a question, do they dress three quarterbacks uh, in games, or do they just dress two so that they've got that other roster spot? But there's no answer to that until training camp ends. My gut feeling, like yours, is that it'll be Garoppolo, and what happens with Mallet is anyone's guess. I just don't think Mallet's a lock right now. Let's go to the running backs. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at different running back options on this team, and I think we both agree Shane Vereen uh, is a lock. James White, I think, is a lock. Please think James White's a lock this year. Uh, you know, fourth-round draft pick uh, out of Wisconsin, I think I think he's definitely a lock right now. I, I, I think he's a lock, and, you know, it's funny because there's been some people out there that said, well, maybe this is the year that Stephen Ridley gets cut. I think Stephen Ridley's uh, more of a lock than either James White or Shane Vereen. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I agree with you on that. And I was looking, we quote him every week, I was looking at Mike Reese's column this morning, which he wrote a while ago, in the, and he's on vacation right now. But he had Ridley under the near lock, and I was really surprised because I agree with you. I think Ridley's a lock. I, I don't see how he cannot be a lock. No, I don't see how he cannot be a lock either. And, and, and Bob, when, when Mike Reese joins us on July 27th. Can we not play Huggy Huggy Kissy Face with him? Because you quote him every week. I'm beginning to think this might be a little bit of a man crush on him. <laughs> you know, maybe there is. Well, I just no disagreed with him, though. Wait, wait a minute. I just disagreed <laughs> with him on that comment. I know, but you bring his name up every I, I'm starting to get jealous. You bring his name up Are every week. Are you really? Week. I am. I am. I am. Okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. But anyway, um, anyway I, I agree with you and disagree with him. How's that? That Ridley wow. is a lock on this team. Is this the first time and, and in history you've agreed with me? Issue after that. I'm sorry. Is this the first time that in Patriots beat history that you've actually agreed with me? No, I've agreed I with think, you before. Really? I, Other than the fact yeah. that we both like the Patriots, I, I don't. I don't really remember I it, much. I think it was the first week I was on, 
and I was a little intimidated, and it was your show, and, and it was like, okay, I better agree with this guy on everything, or I'm not going to be back on the show. So I think if you go back to the very first show, you and I did together, I, I probably agree with almost everything you said. Wow. You kissed my ass. That's so nice. Thanks, thanks a lot, Bob. <laughs> Appreciate that. No, I, I, I see where you're coming from, because I do believe that out of all the running backs that the Patriots have out there, that I believe that... Stephen Ridley is the the most talented. I'm going to come out there and say that the the most talented, the the guy who can has the best ability running in between the tackles and you know outside of the tackle on sweep plays. He's not a big time man in the pass catching role, but he still has you know some hands. He fumbled the ball. That's his his issue. He fumbled the ball four times last year. So that is absolutely huge. He needs to, in his fourth year right now, he needs to hold on to that ball. Um, so that's huge with him. We all know well, how much... He needs, to, he needs to hold on to it, especially in key situations. And and I know we've talked about this before. The problem wasn't the number of fumbles, which you know was a problem, but not really dramatically high. It was when he fumbled the ball. Uh, in, in clutch situations, you just couldn't rely on him. So he's going to have to show not only in preseason, but in the early games that he can hold on to the ball in crucial situations. I'm not saying he can fumble any other time, but but that was the big issue last year is it always seemed to come at a time when the pats were either in the middle of a key drive at the beginning of a game or about to go in for a touchdown or deep in their own territory and the other team recovered it. They just always seem to be at, at the wrong time if ever there can be a right time to fumble. So he's, he's got to learn, and, and you're absolutely right. I think if he fumbles much this year, or even in the preseason, if he fumbles a bunch in the preseason, then maybe he isn't a lot. But but if he doesn't fumble, then I think he's your, as you said, your best running. He's the most skilled of all the running backs. He definitely is the most skilled among the running backs, and that that is what we need to see here. We need to see the New England Patriots morph a little bit here now into an all-around game because the two tight ends offense is gone. It's it's not coming back, ladies and gentlemen. It won you a grand total of zero Super Bowls. It was fun while it lasted. Unfortunately, uh, Rob Gronkowski, while he is on schedule to come back, looks like for week one, uh, Rob has gotten injured a couple times uh, going down uh, the end of a season, of course, getting rolled up on in the uh, 2011 AFC Championship game by our old friend Bernard Pollard, who has cost the New England Patriots more Super Bowls than I think anyone could imagine. With, with, because I really believe that 2008 team with Tom Brady at quarterback could have got back to the Super Bowl and won. Uh, and of course, it was Pollard that blew up his knee. It was Pollard that blew up the knee of uh, well, didn't really blow up the knee, but. You know, basically uh, was right next to Wes Welker when he tore his ACL at the end of the uh, of the 2009 season, and of course Welker wasn't Welker coming back the following year in in 2010. Of course, the Patriots had uh, gone to a 14 and two season in 2010, and then lost to the uh, New York Jets. Had they had a completely healthy Wes Welker, do, do we do we think something different happens? Does Randy Moss keep his mouth shut and stay on the team, and, and the Patriots have that that threat on the outside. 
I, I wonder that. And, of, of course, uh, Brandon Pollard in the 2011 Super Bowl, rolling up on Rob Gronkowski. And then back in the 2000 and uh, – was it 2013? What was – what year? I don't know, 2012 AFC Championship game against the uh, Baltimore Ravens when he had a huge collision with said Stephen Ridley, who, uh, of course, was caused a fumble that – Basically knocked the Patriots out of the game right then and there. They stopped running the ball. Stephen Ridley was out. He fumbled, and that was it. So Bernard hey, let's, Pollard let's has... Let's take a minute. Hey, Jeff, let me, let me yeah. just stop you for a second because you brought my memory rolling back. People that blame Ridley for fumble, that's one. i got to tell you, I don't care who was carrying the ball. If you remember that hit, they were going to fumble. He was out cold. He, he was oh, yeah. literally out cold while he was still standing and, and as he went down, he was he was you can't really blame that fumble on Ridley. Of all the other fumbles and many I do blame on him because he pulls the ball out wide a lot of times when he shouldn't. But that's one fumble that man, I felt sorry for the guy. When he went down he was you know, I, I thought this guy's gonna be out for another year with concussion problems. Uh so I that's one Ridley fumble I just wanted to mention that I can't blame Ridley for. No, I can't blame Ridley for it there. And, and, you know, you did come out and say that he fumbles at inopportune times. And, and the one thing that i got to say about that is any fumble that you you lose is at an inopportune time. I guess you could really say that. You don't want to lose fumbles. Um, it always seems to be in one possession game. So I, I guess if you're if you're up by, you know, three touchdowns and you fumble the ball and your defense comes in and stops it, it's one thing, but it always seemed to be in one possession game. So, yep. we'll yeah. see what happens with Stephen Ridley. The other back. Let's, all right, let's go. Let's go to the, the wide receivers. Well, and, I haven't finished talking about the other the backs here. I haven't talked finished talking about the other backs. This is my favorite position. All right. Come on. Okay. Talk, talk about the other backs. Now we'll spend the whole show talking about running backs. Well, let me just segue into this because if you love <laughs> listening about running backs. Patriots Beat is definitely the show for you. And of course you can find Patriots Beat and all the other great CLNS Radio podcasts on Stitcher. Search www.stitcher.com and search for CLNS Radio. You can get us on iTunes for free by searching iTunes.com slash CLNS Radio. You can also find us on the TuneIn app by searching CLNS Radio. You can listen to the great podcasts out there, like Chewing the Fat, I love that because I'm the Boston Fat Guy, I like that, Boston Sports Connection, Connection Celtics Beat, along with our Celtics postgame show, which as of right now is the only on-air audio postgame show for every Celtics game next season, because the Sports Hub isn't doing it, WEEI isn't doing it, you want to talk... Celtics post-game show. You want to talk Celtics this offseason, you tune in to CLNS Radio and, of course, the unbelievable, amazing Patriots post-game show with yours truly. Anyways, just really quickly on the other backs because you have guys like Brandon Bolden, which we all know, I don't think he's very good. Yes, he had a 5.5 yards per carry average, but you take away two long runs for almost 100 yards in between them, and the guy averaged 3.5 yards per carry. Roy Fidge, little jitterbug out of Oklahoma. I'll be interested to see if he makes the roster. And, of course, Stephen Houston, that big running back out of Indiana, is that the type of guy that you're going to hope that fills in for LeGarrette Blount and his 
170-odd carries that he had last year. It'll be interesting to see what the New England Patriots do, but I really think that the running – this is the year of the running back for the New England Patriots because the running game may not be what it used to be. When I say what it used to be, I mean that guy, that one guy who carried the ball 300, 350 times a season. It's still a viable option to run the clock, build on, and sustain drives. So running back. Okay, we can move on to uh, – one, one comment since you, since you brought up the – the name of that running back that you at one time said was the worst player on the Patriots roster. And I may be misquoting you a little bit, but not by much, and that's Mr. Bolton. Would you not agree, though, that someone needs to beat him? He's got to lose the position. Someone has to win it from him. Yes, I, I do believe that someone has to win it from him. Uh, okay. And, and I agree. The two guys you talked about, Finch is a different type of runner. Uh, Personally, I kind of like Houston, uh, but who knows? I mean, when training camp starts and the, the bodies are clashing, we'll have a better sense of it. And, and I'm not a Bolden fan either, but I do think that someone has to beat him out or he's going to be on the roster. Now can we go to wide receivers? Well, real quick uh, before that, because oh. I just saw something come across the Twitter. The Twitter sphere, baby! And, of course, you can get Scott Baines. Tweet him at the Baines 123 His weekly Twitter bag is coming out. If you have any questions, tweet at CLNS Radio. Tweet at Patriots Beat. You can even tweet at our new partner, Pat's Gazette, good old Rod. And you can tweet at Scott and ask questions. And Scott will put them in his regular Twitter bag. But he came out and uh, actually asked us, should the Patriots sign Bollard? Is that, and, and a good uh, follow of ours uh, at New England uh, XLIX, of course, for the for the Super Bowl that's coming up. Uh, he, he wanted to know, huh? So he's obviously not listening to the, the podcast right now. But we can move on to the wide receiver position, and I'll let you introduce right, and We won't spend a lot of time. We've already talked the the, the possibility, if there is even one, of, of uh, Andre Johnson. So, so we've already hit it a little bit. Edelman, obviously, is, is on the team. Dobbs, Dobson's on the team. I, I have to think that Tomskin, Tompkins and Boyce and LaFell are all on the team. I think the only one that may be at risk, and I think he's on the team, is Amendola. Uh, and then you go to the rookies, and... I don't know that there's a rookie wide receiver that's ready to replace any of them. Do you? I don't. And here's one of the things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here because people sit there and say, oh, they're going to cut this guy. They, they could cut this guy. You know, is it, is it Danny Amendola who doesn't make it? Is it Josh Boyce who doesn't make the team? Is it Kemberl Tompkins? I'm going to go out on a leash here and say that the New England Patriots keep six to seven wide receivers, seven if you count uh, Matthew Slater as a wide receiver. I think Edelman is a lock. I think Amendola is also a lock because if you cut him, uh, it hurts your cap, although you don't have to worry as much now about the cap as you would uh, uh, going into um, the off season. Obviously, Aaron Dobson is key here. If Aaron Dobson can start to show what he started to show before he injured his foot, uh, he's the type of wide receiver that can really stretch the field. He, he's got very good hands. Now, of course, we didn't see that at the beginning of the season last year. People out there calling him Aaron Dropson. I personally went back and looked at a lot of film. I really liked what I started to see from from him. Um, I, I believe it was in the uh, second Jets game. 
Um, I liked what I I saw of what he was doing, his routes, the way he was running crisper routes, the way that he was using uh, the sideline as his friend. Uh, of course, that unbelievable catch and run after the uh, in a big blowout win against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. Aaron Dobson is the key for the New England Patriots. If he becomes that guy who takes that second year leap, uh, and and usually that's what you see with the wide receivers between their first and second, second third year. That's when they really start to come into the, their own. I mean, it's only every once in a generation when you have a Randy Moss type of rookie season where you come out and you know catch 18 touchdown passes. Well, and if you compare Dobson and Tompkins' numbers last year for a rookie, they're right up there with some of the top pass catchers in the NFL right now for their rookie season. They, they did not have a bad rookie season. They both had pretty darn good rookie seasons. Most wide receivers, and you just mentioned, there's a few exceptions, Moss being one, most wide receivers take at least two years to get in the flow of things. So this is the make-or-break year, I think, for Dobson. If, if he's to step up, we both think he's going to. I, I think he has the potential to be a standout wide receiver. The one rookie that may have a shot is is Gallon, and I, I'm just not sure. I don't know what whether he brings enough to the table or not. I, I like some of the things when you look at, at tape on him, but I don't think there's another wide receiver that's a true wide receiver as a rookie that, that would even have a shot. What do you think about Gallon? Uh, I think it's a long shot at best right now. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe he makes a team, and it all depends on injuries. You know, uh, we know what uh, what people sit there and say about Danny Amendola and how you know he's made a glass and this, that, and the other thing about Danny Amendola. We've seen uh, an, an injured hip, uh, you know, hurt uh, Kemble Tompkins, of course. Aaron Dobson coming back from the, uh, uh, the the stress fracture in his foot. So obviously there's something going on as it ties into injuries. And, and that brings me to one thing, because I'm going to probably get the ear of a lot of New England Patriots fans right now, because for New England Patriots fans, they have extremely short memories. I'm looking at a guy by the name of Julian Edelman, who last year was the first time in his career – that he played all 16 years. Is that now the norm? Or is this going to be something that, you know, he, he plays 14, 15 games? Last year was the first time in his career that he played all 16 games. Sure, he caught, a, caught 105 passes. Sure, he had six touchdown catches. Sure, he had 1,056 yards. Call me on that. I'm trying to do this from memory. But, it was the first time in his career that he played all 16 games, and I think that's the reason we saw Edelman go over 100 catches last year because he's only the guy that played all 16 games at any position that catches a football. Well, and at the beginning of the year, no one was thinking Edelman was going to be the answer. It was going to be Amendola. So, yeah, I mean, Edelman was one of those that, that as you were going into training camp, was kind of on the bubble because of the injuries, not because of the skill. I mean, he he is a great punt returner. Let's face it, that that alone would keep him on the roster. But no one expected, and to expect it again this year, I think, is a little bit of a dream. The only reason he caught that many is because Gronkowski was out that much, because Amendola got hurt in that first game. I mean, that that is not taking anything away from what he did but he wouldn't have been thrown that many balls 
under normal circumstances last year to be able to have that. So I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I and I like Eftel or, or uh, Edelman. I'm not down on him, but I just think anyone that expects him to have anywhere near the year he had last year again this year. Um, I hope I hope he doesn't because if he does, that means other players aren't doing what I would hope they would do this year. Yeah, I mean that's that's the big thing there. I mean Edelman basically in, in, in the beginning of the year. I mean he. In in training camp, we all looked at it. Is Edelman even going to make the team? Then he comes out and catches 105 passes. I mean, the first yeah. the first game of the season, he catches two touchdown passes against uh, the Buffalo Bills. Who could forget uh, against the Denver Broncos his his weaving and, and diving uh, touchdown play uh, that tied the game? I mean, uh, Edelman is a great player. He's a high effort player. Is he's extremely talented? I don't think that Julian Edelman is. Extremely, he doesn't have that top end speed. Uh, he's got good hands. He runs precise routes, but he's not a, a phenomenal athlete. I mean, this is a guy that that five years ago was throwing passes for Kent State, running the football. So, put him in open space. That's what makes him such a great punt returner. Put him in open space, and he's excellent. That's what makes him such a good wide receiver in the New England Patriots system because he's been there for so many years. It's just I wonder, can he stay healthy again for all sixteen games? Or is it going to be that point where you have to keep all, you know seven wide receivers? We'll call it six wide receivers because Matthew Slater is making this team because of his contributions on on special teams. So special here's teams. the question: yeah. Do they go with you know five more wide receivers with an odd man out? Whether that be LaFell, who I can't imagine they're going to let go after signing to a three-year contract at eleven million dollars uh, total. Is it Danny Amendola that you let go? Julian Edelman, of course, you're not. Aaron Dawson, you'd hope not. Boyce and Tompkins, that's six names right there. And I have to imagine that unless someone comes in offering a trade, and if that trade happens to be for a guy like Danny Amendola or a guy like uh, Kemba Tompkins or, or Josh Boyce, or even, I mean, really not going to trade Brandon LaFell. I mean, the cap hits are there. But I, I have to think right now that all six of them are going to make it to the uh, 53-man roster. And I, and I think you're going to see that because you're not going to have as much rely, relying on the tight end position. It might be that the New England Patriots only keep two tight ends on their roster to start to start this season, or they only well, they, keep they, what they probably and the one player we didn't mention I don't think at all is, is uh, uh, Devlin, and and Devlin is the fullback type tight or backup that also has been practicing at tight end. I don't, I've said this many times, I don't see him as the answer at tight end, but I do see that he could play that position periodically. So he offers that, that, oh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? The adaptability to, to play multiple positions. Uh, no, he's not a wide receiver, and I know we're talking about wide receivers, but you had mentioned the tight end position. So he could very well fall into that third tight end because you know how I feel about the tight ends. I don't see anyone well, else out exactly. there on the path for Oscar right now that, that excites me at tight end other than Gronkowski. Well, position flexibility. I think that's what you were looking for because there of the fact is. that he, you got it. You flexibility. Know, he can, he can he can ha- he can put that hammer down. You know he can definitely put that hammer down uh, blocking for the running backs. He did have a couple nice uh, catches this season. So let me before we get off wide receivers, we're going to stay kind of on the offensive side of the ball this week in our in our training camp pri- primer here on 
Patriots beat. And next week we'll we'll start looking a little more into the defensive side of things. But let me ask you, what can we honestly think about Brandon LaFell? I don't know. I I mean, I like his size. I like a lot about him. I don't I don't see him as your number one receiver, but I see him as a solid number three receiver. And like you, I don't think they would have traded or given him a three-year contract. Now, I don't know how much of that is guaranteed. You may have that right off the top of your head because you always do, and and you were really into that thing. But but I I think LaFell is a positive addition to the team, and I think he's on the team, again, unless he just drops some team balls. Now, he did drop a lot at Carolina last year. Uh, so, you know, could he possibly – not make the team, yeah, but I, I don't see it happening. I, I kind of like him. Yeah, that's, I mean, he played a lot in the slot uh, for the Carolina Panthers, but he's got some size. I mean, he's six foot two, two 210 pounds. Coming out of college, he ran a 4.540. So, I mean, that's that's pretty exciting. Last year at 49 catches, 627 yards. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty exciting if you if you – Think about this guy because he can play the X, Y, and Z position. They, we, we've seen them talk a little bit about him in the in the OTAs this year, where he caught a beautiful pass from Tom Brady in the back corner of the end zone. That's why I think that you're going to see this New England Patriots team kind of morph away from attacking the middle of the field with the tight ends and the slot receiver, and and, and spread it out a little more. And and that's why I think that. Guys like James White, Roy Finch, we talked about him well, and I know I'm bringing it back to the running back position now, But and, and Shane Vereen are going to complement these six wide receivers that the New England Patriots have, and, and I can see it being a game-to-game situation here where maybe one game you're dressing all seven wide receivers. You're dressing, you know, each and every one of these guys, and you're, and, and you're only dressing, you know, Stephen Ridley, Shane Vereen, and maybe James White, not worrying about a Devlin, or you're only dressing, you know, two tight ends, and and, and then of course you can you can move a guy like uh, Nate Soldier in to a tight end if you need a, a blocking situation there, um, and, and have your your backup tackle take over as, at your left tackle position. We've also seen. Um, Sebastian Vollmer played left tackle before, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of diversity in what the New England Patriots do to attack the uh, the opposition this year. Well, and they, you brought up a name during that, that conversation, and, and you and I have many times said how important that offensive line is to what will occur with the offense this year. Uh, and, and I look at the offensive line, and there's two names that jump out at me in that offensive line that they could very well be off the, the Patriots, Rook, uh, veterans whose job is probably in jeopardy. First one, and I'll let you comment on this, is Dan Connolly. What, is he going to make this team? Is there a shot he doesn't make this team? He's got a high cap hit. I would expect that Dan Connolly does not make this team this year. I'm not too thrilled with what Dan Connolly brought last year. I thought uh, both uh, Brian Wend- uh, Wendell and Dan Connolly had extremely – Bad, bad seasons last year. I didn't think they played well at all. The one thing pushing towards Connolly, and while he does have a high cap number, again, as I said, it's not as uh, big of an issue now because you've already spent your money. There's no one that you're going to go out there and sign to a you know, seven or eight million dollar deal where you have to, I mean, unless they do trade for Andre Johnson, which I, of course I don't see happening. 
but you're not going to need to worry about this money until next off season. So I, I can see Connolly making this team only because of his position flexibility. We saw him, of course, be the starting right guard um, for this team in the 2011 season uh, after Dan Copen went down with his injured ankle for the that left him out the entire season. Conley came in and played center for the team and led them all the way to the Super Bowl. I could see a little bit where the position flexibility for him works in his favor, where a guy like Ryan Wendell, who was an undersized center to begin with, would really be an undersized guard. I could see Wendell, even though he, he re-signed a two-year deal, uh, if you start to see guys like Jalapio, the, uh, the sixth-round pick out of Florida, or my man Brian Stork, uh, becoming ex- uh, a little bit better on the offensive line and becoming that starting center caliber guy. I could see a guy like Ryan Wendell getting cut and Dan Connolly sticking around, uh, but it'll be interesting to see because that's what we got to look at. What's th- this offensive line, especially with David uh, Tigliano, the new uh, offensive line coach, uh, coming in here? We don't know exactly what they're what they're looking for. We all know what uh, what Dante Scarnecchi was looking for. He was looking for athletic linemen who could who could pass block, who could get out on the screen game. We're not sure what Dave D's kind of looking for, and it seems like he's looking for some more road graders. That's what they did this year. They went out and got some road graders. Uh, Corey Fleming, huge huge player uh, out of Stanford. Uh, I think I think I saw him at, at six foot uh, six, six foot seven, uh, three hundred fifty pounds. Uh, of course, Brian, uh, Brian Stork is a is a big center at 315 pounds. Jalapio is, I remember, 330 pounds, if I remember correctly here. And then you have guys like Marcus Cannon, uh, you know, in the final year of his contract out of TCU, who who played extremely well at right tackle. We've seen him move into guard at some point. So uh, maybe they're looking for more of a road grader, a little more meanness in that offensive line, and not so much, uh, you know, using technical. Uh, you know, technical stances like they used to do under uh, Dante Scarnecchia. One one quick comment. I would love to see Jalapio change his name, put an N in there, so I can always remember how to pronounce it and it then be Jalapeno. And I could associate him with the pepper and would always know how to say his name because I booted it all over the place, I think, when saying his name. But that was just one, you know, thought. Thought for uh, for him if he's listening to the show that if he wants everyone to pronounce his name correctly, he should put an N before the end uh, uh, the O at the end of his name, and then would all pronounce it instead of Jalapio, which I think is what I called him last week, or some of the other various names he's been called. Well, we could just You're go, you know, we could just go all uh, all you know Spanish on him and call him Jose Jalapeno on a stick. If you're uh, yeah. familiar with with Jeff Dunham and his uh, ventriloquism there, but uh, yeah, we could do that. We'll, we'll see how things happen there. Jeff uh, Jeff Dunham just played up here in Guilford, New Hampshire, the other night. We did not go see him. I've seen him many times. He's quite a uh, funny, funny ventriloquist. If anyone uh, who is listening to the show doesn't know who uh, Jeff Dunham is, uh, and and I don't think there's really much out there because I think he has exploded over the last. 10 years, but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, getting back to football, um, I mean, let's look at Nate soldier, his left tackle out of Colorado. He was the player that became the pick from the Richard Seymour trade, uh, going into his fourth year. He's had that fifth year option picked up your thoughts on Nate soldier, because I think he is at a point right now where he can 
develop into one of the best left tackles in the NFL as long as that head issue, you know, the concussion issue stays away. He had a concussion uh, last year, which knocked him out of a game in which Logan Mankins had to move over to left tackle and Josh Klein uh, played left guard. But provided that he's healthy, your thoughts on Nate Soldier? Well, the concussion is the issue. And if you remember, or if I remember right, he went out and then tried to come back shortly after that and went out again. So the concussion is the only issue I have. I don't think anyone questions his ability to play the position and to be a standout at the position. It's the concussion. And concussions always worry me more now than probably ever before because we never even thought of them years ago. Uh, But once you've had that second one in a short period of time, I worry about that. But as far as the skill level goes, no doubt. He's one of the top left tackles in, in the NFL. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and try and remember any of the other left tackles because that is not a position that I'm normally real familiar with. I know you go into the nuts and bolts sometimes. But, uh, you know, I, I like him on my team. I think that if healthy, and that's a key element of a lot of our players, um, he makes that line really even more solid, and last year, obviously, they had some problems with the offensive line. His injury, really, you just brought it up, it it changed the whole dimension of the offensive line because then you had to move Mankins out of what is his natural position, um, and, and he did not have a good season. So, yeah, I like Soli. I I like what our offensive line possibly could be this year. And, and look at the same players that you're looking at and say, okay, you know, I, I Conley, yeah, if he stays, he stays. If he doesn't, I don't see him as a key cog on the offensive line. And if he does stay, it'll be because of his flexibility. Uh, I agree on Wendell. I, I was surprised that they re-signed him, in all honesty. No one else wanted him. He was out there on the market for almost the entire free agent period. And it was when it in the last week or so, by then, everybody had been signed that the Pats actually re-signed him? I think you're correct there, Bob. I think it was, you know, it took a while to bring him back, and I think the Patriots brought him back because of his familiarity with the system. Now, granted, in the 2012 season, uh, he, he played extremely well, Ryan Wendell did. He played extremely well. It had a lot of people forgetting uh, how great of a center Dan Copen was. Um, but last year there were issues, and there were a lot of issues, technical issues, uh, blocking assignment issues, uh, the way that uh, you know Tom Brady would go into a play-action pass, and next thing you know, he's on his ass. I mean, a play-action pass is supposed to give you a little more time, but uh, the way that it was handled, you know, whether whether Wendell and Conley didn't know exactly who was supposed to cover which A-gap, you know, and, and and Conley's sitting there covering the B gap, and he's running into Marcus Cannon, and then there's, there's a defensive tackle running right through that A gap and, 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 and slamming into Tom Brady. Uh, it, it happened too much last year. We even saw it happen, um, you know, in the AFC Championship game against the um, Denver Broncos, where even Logan Mankins got uh, deked out of his sneakers uh, by Terrence Knighton, and who came came right up that A-gap, and that's uh, A-gap pressure would be right in between on each side of the center is, is what they call the A-gap if you go from uh, the center out. So on the left and right of the center is your A-gap uh, between your your um, guards and, and 
and your tackles. That's your B gap, and the C gap is 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 your tackles to the outside. So uh, that's kind of the rushing lanes of this stuff. If anyone's looking for for a reason why I'm calling it the A gap and the B gap, but it'll be interesting this is, this to see your primer on the offensive line. I, you, you, your in depth knowledge is coming out again. You know, <laughs> you're a little overkill, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> This is hey, the one player we didn't talk about that, that I thought was pretty good was Josh Klein, um, yes. who I thought did a good job of filling in last year. I don't, again, see him as a starter, but I see him as a good backup. So I, I'm, I think the offensive line is going to have, uh, have a lot of young players that, if they can gel together, could be a very, very important part of the Patriots this year. Well, that was the one thing, you know, Josh Klein last year, he stepped in in that Baltimore Ravens game where the New England Patriots absolutely ran over the Baltimore Ravens in clinching the, uh, you know, the AFC East title last year. Uh, a great play by Josh Klein last year. Um, you know, so that, that's exciting. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening. I'm really excited about the return of Sebastian Vollmer. Uh, Vollmer was a second-team All-Pro a couple of years ago, and, and you know, he uh, broke his ankle, I think it was, last year. Yep. Um, and, and they missed him. Uh, they really missed him. As much as I thought that Marcus Cannon had a very good season, they really missed what Sebastian Vollmer, that, that toughness that he brings uh, to this team, and of course the Ring of Pages went out and signed him to a long-term deal when he became a free agent. So uh, that's exciting. Real quick on the yep. tight end because yeah. we're running out of we're running out of time here. We got about three minutes left. So Rob Gronkowski, if he's healthy, if he comes back, as long as he's ready to go, I think they're good to go. Um, I would expect another uh, body to come in in, in a veteran um, come training camp time whether that is a Dustin Keller or or anything like that, but that'll be interesting to see um, where things go there. Uh, but yeah, well, as long and, as... and looking at the rookie, I'm sorry, the, the, the undrafted free agents, there's some names out there that people seem to be a little excited about that I'm not, and the, the one they're talking about, mainly because of his size, is, is Justin Jones out of East Carolina. At, at 6'8", yeah, the size is there, but he, hadn't done any, he didn't do anything in college, so I'm not sure why people are thinking he could possibly be the answer. He didn't even play his senior year in college. So tight end is still my concern. As you know, we've talked about this many times. If Gronkowski is healthy, it's not a concern. I would like to see someone like Keller come in or someone else that we've comfortable with because I just don't see anyone behind Uman who can play tight end. And, and I know we mentioned Devlin, but I don't see him as the answer either. Now, that's why I'm thinking that the Patriots are going to go in a little more uh, of the 11 personnel. Uh, basically what that is, is is one tight end, one running back, and, and, you know, three wide receivers. Or they can come out with, you know, uh, 21 personnel, two, uh, excuse me, two, um, two running backs and one tight end. I don't think you're going to see a lot of the uh, dual tight end this season. Um, it'll be interesting to see where things land after the first couple of weeks of training camp. Uh, but it's something we're going to all have to look out there and enjoy. Well, Dan, training camp is going to answer a lot of the questions. I think we've pretty much covered all the players that are worth mentioning on the offense. Um, there, there are others who just aren't even in the, the ballpark. But I, I think we've covered pretty much everybody on the offense, don't you? 
I agree with you. So uh, until next week, this is uh, Jeff Kane at Boston Fat Guy, uh, hanging out, as always, on Sunday afternoons with Bob Snowden here on Patriots Beat. Of course, give us a follow at Patriots Beat on Twitter. You can also follow us at www.facebook.com slash Patriots Beat. And we'll be back next Sunday. Uh, talking a little bit about the New England Patriots defense. So thank you, everyone. We'll catch you uh, in a week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Looking forward to talking about the defense next week.